We've been on a journey in the Psalms. The reason we are calling this sermon series Into the Arms of Love is that we have a real sense it's important to, to see God as more than just a set of ideas, to understand God wants a relationship with us. God wants a relationship with you. And the Psalms give us a, a picture of what that relationship could look like, often as David, but also as others share what their relationship with God is like, sometimes in a very raw way. We started out a few weeks ago looking at Psalm 16, and Psalm 16 says a number of things, but at its heart it says, what you worship really matters. What you worship really matters. It's an important thing to understand that everybody worships. This weekend, we know that some people will be worshipping V8 supercars in the rain. Other people will be worshipping family or money. People can worship looks. People can worship all kinds of things. Everybody worships. Worship is just a word that says worth. What is the thing you give the most worth to in your life? And there is something you give the most worth to in your life. And if it's not God, we learn in Psalm 16 that it will eat you alive. If you worship something other than God, it'll eat you alive. Then on the camp... We looked at three psalms. The first psalm we looked at at the camp was Psalm 19 on the Friday night. And the first thing we noticed as we arrived in Poetina and looked up at the stars, Psalm 19 tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God. Sometimes our worlds are so small and we feel so overwhelmed that it's necessary to look up and realise God made all this. God is big. And we can trust him. Sometimes it's even necessary to look down and see the microscopic animals and beauty all around us and to realise God is a God of the detail as well as the God of the awesome size and scope of nature. And some of the photos the guys got from camp are amazing. Psalm 19 also says that God sets the rules in the world, that he put the boundaries in place. And it was Cecil B. DeMille who said, nobody has ever broken the Ten Commandments. They've only ever broken themselves against the Ten Commandments. You think about it. All the times you have knowingly done what God doesn't want you to do, all those times... You have not broken the rules. The rules have broken you. You carry the scars. So that was Psalm 19 on the Friday night. On, uh, on the Saturday morning, we looked at Pete Clark's favourite psalm, Psalm 23. And as I said, he was the one that left the, the note on the, on the video of that, what we did on Saturday morning, who said, and, th and this is so true, that... The valley of darkness with Jesus is much better than anywhere else without Jesus. And that was Pete's last kind of words to us, I think.
on the on the notes of, of that. Uh, there, well, what we looked at on Psalm 23 is that we lack nothing. That God is our company. Jesus is our company in the darkness. And also, we'll talk more about this on Wednesday, there is an incredible future we all look forward to where there will be no more sadness or tears and that there will be a house prepared for us. It's going to be fantastic. And Pete's already, I'm sure, exploring. I'm saying to Barbie, I reckon he's sitting down with Jesus for the first little bit and asking him, there's a whole lot of questions he used to ask me. I'm sure he's now sitting down with Jesus and asking him a few of those questions and getting it straight from the horse's mouth. And then on, Psalm, on Sunday, last Sunday at camp, we looked at Psalm 27 and raised this question, how do you live with a refreshed soul? And what Psalm 27 makes clear is the essential question for you is what are you focusing on? What are you focusing on? Are you focusing on you? If you will, then you won't live from a refreshed soul. If you focus on Jesus, if you focus on God the Father who loves you, you are able to live with a refreshed soul. So we come to Psalm 32. And I, I love that we get to talk about grace this week. Because uh, Pete's, one of Pete's favourite books was What's So Amazing About Grace by Philip Yancey. Uh, and he would often mention grace. And uh, it'll be one of the main themes at, on Wednesday. And this Psalm 32 starts with this incredible picture of grace. This incredible picture of forgiveness. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. The word there, transgression, uh, literally means... To transgress, when the Bible uses the words transgression, it says where you know there is a line you shouldn't step across and you step across it anyway. That's what transgression is. Or it means there is a line there you know you should cross and you go the other way. Both of those in the Bible are transgression. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. You see, at the heart of our faith is this beautiful truth that there is nothing you can possibly have done to stop God loving you. And to get to a place, God's forgiveness is always waiting for you. He says... Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit there is no deceit. It's really important to see that last little bit of that verse 2. In whose spirit there is no deceit. You see... And the psalmist David's going to go on and, and unpack this. But deceit means pretending. 
The people Jesus was toughest on were the people who were trying to pretend to be religious, to pretend to have a relationship with God. It's you, you, in order to receive God's grace, we need to be honest. We need to be honest. The kind of person that can receive grace is the one who's not trying to pretend in any way. There's a picture in Luke 18 as Jesus tells them a story about, if you imagine a church service and somebody coming up to the church in church service looking looking well dressed and like they have it all you know together and and somebody uh in the corner looking dirty and and kind of smelly and and kind of no one wants to talk to them someone who who everybody knows they do a job that nobody else likes and, and the religious person says, God, thank you that I'm not like those really bad people over there. And the other one who has the job that nobody likes and is sort of off on the edge says, oh, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, you know, you know who received forgiveness? The one who's not full of themselves. The one who just comes to God and says, have mercy on me. This whole psalm, this journey we're on is how do we actually live out of relationship with God? How do we live from a place of love with God? This whole psalm is part of the answer. It's a call to live in truth. You cannot have a relationship with God and be pretending. But up front, it, it is so much easier to be honest when you know you're loved, isn't it? It's much easier to be honest if you know you're loved. The psalm, this is, I reckon this psalm gives the clearest picture of what it's like, what our experience is like when we're trying to hide, when we're trying to cover up, when we're trying to do things we know we ought not to do. Verse 3 says, see if you can identify with this. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. You know this, if you're to be honest. There is profound pain in covering up your own darkness. Which is why so many of us are looked, rather than looking at our own darkness and facing our own darkness, we're so tempted to look for things that help distract us or take the pain away. And so we find our own ways of coping. Some people cope with illegal things like drugs. 
Other people cope with legal things like Netflix. But we find ways of coping rather than facing the pain of facing the darkness. Ephesians says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It says, everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. What it's saying is, it's the stuff you're not willing to talk about. That's the stuff that's going to keep pulling you under. It's the darkness you're not willing to face is the stuff that is getting in your road of your relationship with God, of the, the God of the universe who loves you and is standing with his arms outstretched. This beautiful truth in verse 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and didn't cover up my iniquity. Now, I, don't, I, I, I understand that G1 is translating this and I don't know how he's going to do this because last time I was trying to explain iniquity uh, in Nepalese, it didn't really work very well. In Australia, we have a, a game called Lawn Bowls. I don't know if you've ever seen it. A, a lot of older people mostly, some, some younger people, uh, stand on grass and roll a ball down the grass uh, but instead of the ball going straight, it goes off like that. It, it goes... Uh, it's because it, the ball has a weight in it. And the, and the weight takes it away. And in the Bible, when it talks about iniquity, that's what it's talking about. Transgression is when you step over a line. Iniquity is when you have a bias in you, that there's part of you... That really just wants the easy way out. There's part of you that really wants to live in the dark rather than the light. It's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, the things I want to do, I don't do. And what David is saying, when I finally owned up to you, God, that there's a dark part of me, a messy part of me, a part of me I'm not pretty, that's not pretty, then you forgave the guilt of my sin. As I acknowledge the dark part of you and I told you about the times I've stepped across the lines, then you forgave me. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It requires a willingness to die to yourself. One of the last things Pete wrote in his journal was there is more than one way to die. 
There is a kind of death that comes because you are seeking first your own life. You're seeking first comfort. You're avoiding the pain. And you live in this pale, grey, death-filled world. Where you try to do life from a place of dishonesty. And what this psalm is calling us to, the, the verse that prompted Pete to write that down was Luke 9, where it says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their own soul? There's this paradox at the heart of our faith. If you have the courage to look into Jesus' eyes and say, Jesus, there is darkness in me. I have done things I'm not proud of. Jesus, I need your help. Then he reaches out to you and says, I love you. Your past doesn't define your future in me. Receive my grace. But if you're busy pretending the darkness isn't there, pretending that you don't make mistakes, you don't step over lines, you're very good all the time, then you don't need grace and you don't need Jesus and you're in a dangerous place, is what this psalm is saying. So David says, therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Sometimes life is going to feel completely overwhelming. Sometimes life is going to feel like a rising tide that you just can't escape. And I think what Pete would want to say to us is the valley of darkness with Jesus is far, far better than anywhere else without Jesus. There are going to be times where life feels overwhelming. But the promise of our faith is that the, the creator of the universe, the same one that puts stars in the sky, wants to be with you in the dark moments. And he will hold you close. All he asks of you is to be honest with him. And not try and be God in your own strength. There's this beautiful picture of how God wants to do life with you where it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Did you know there is a way for you to go? There's a unique path for your life. I love, we, there's a video, uh, Pete gave us a message a few weeks ago and he said, 
I want to race. I want to run the race marked out for me well. And I, I think we can, as a whole church family, say to Pete, mate, you did it. But his message to us wasn't, you know, I, just I want you to clap and cheer me. He, he was trying to tell you, you've got a race. That's what he was trying to tell you. And you've got a race marked out for you. And here the God of the universe says to you, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do you know the God of the universe wants to help you know which way you should go? We need to listen. Don't be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they won't come to you. There is God, this is God's world and as Cecil Beta Mill said, you can, if you like, try and do it in your own strength and you will just keep bumping up again and again and again against the truth that the more you try and do it in your own strength, the more damaged you'll end up being. You'll be like a, a horse or a mule where you're being externally controlled by the reality of the universe. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. Invite the band up. We're, gonna, we're actually going to do that in a minute. We're going to sing. As you come to a place where you can be honest, you, can, you, just, you cannot have a relationship with God and be pretending. It's a bit silly, really, to be trying to pretend to God. But the God of the universe wants to be your friend. He just says to you, can, you, can we please just be honest about the darkness that you keep gravitating to? Can we please be honest about the lines you've crossed that hold you back and damage you? And can we live from a place of light, not from darkness? It's interesting, the, the New Testament church was a place not of perfect people, but of honest people. Whenever the church has been at its best, the church has been full of honest people who are honest with God and scarily enough also honest with each other. The practice of confession in the Bible is confession to God as we see in the psalm but it is also confession to one another not to everybody but all of us need people we can trust who know when we're not doing well and who can call us out Pete was like that for me he was a mate he was, he was like that for a lot of people I know And we're going to miss him.
aren't we? I think what he would want us to hear is turn your eyes to Jesus. He won't disappear. He won't let you go. The heart of what Pete was always about was wanting people to know Jesus. And what I think David is trying to say to us, a key to that is just being honest. Not trying to put on any kind of religious show, but just being honest with God. Let's pray. Jesus, again, we want to say thanks for our brother Pete. Thanks for the witness of his life. Thanks that he finished the race well. And my guess is he's having all kinds of conversations with you right now. But Jesus, we're sad. We miss him. Thank you that he has been for many of us a picture of who you are, a picture of your love, a picture of your embrace. And I just ask, as we come into this week, a week where we need to say goodbye, that you would use Pete's life to speak to us about what's actually important. We just ask that in your name. Amen.